0: Greetings, my name is Griffin Schaefer. And my name is Scott Peterson. And this is episode 92 of Inside Quizzing.
1: A podcast about Bible quizzing for folks who love the Bible.
0: And in this episode 92, we are going to go through a handful of quick announcements uh, regarding P&W District Championships and the upcoming future season, 2021-2022, uh, the uh, James and Roman season. And then we're going to spend the uh, bulk, if not probably the entire rest of the episode, talking about the concepts and ideas surrounding evangelizing and recruiting into quizzing. Uh, we're going to maybe not come up with a lot of final answers. Maybe we will come up with some final answers, but who knows? It's, we've got a lot of notes to kind of walk our way through, discuss, and we're kind of kind of see how far we go into this topic. And it'll probably go into a second episode, but We'll just kind of see how things go. So anyway, before we dive into that big topic, uh, timely as it is, as we are entering sort of the period between seasons, uh, probably actually... Right at the end of this weekend, uh, we will be between seasons for the bulk of PNW uh, before we start up in the fall. So, theoretically, something that we should all be thinking about. But anyway, before we get to that, a um, couple of announcements. So, PNW District Championships is this coming weekend. It is April 30th and May 1st. That's Friday and Saturday. Pretty typical meet structure in terms of uh, prelims, uh, lunch break, and uh, or on Saturday and then uh, continuing on with a short bracket uh, to the end. The roster draw and schedule is linked in the pinned comments of the virtual meet channel on Slack. This will be a, uh, unfortunately it will be a virtual meet, but probably our last uh, one can hope and pray and uh, because things look like they are steadily improving uh, across the US, so hopefully we will be in person in the fall. So if you have any questions about uh, district championships, please consult your coach, or if you are the coach and have any questions, please consult me. And uh, we'll get things uh, sorted out and have a great meet this weekend. In terms of the uh, next season, uh, 2021 and 2022, now, of course, before we get to that, after district championships, there is, of of course, still internationals uh, for some definition of internationals. There's potentially, you know, as we talked about, there's potentially going to be two uh, quiz meets, one that's virtual and one that's in person, the in-person one, probably Western Pennsylvania somewhere. And as a result of that, the the Canadian districts will unfortunately probably not be able to participate in the in, in person uh, version. Uh, P and is probably going to be participating in both, um, but uh, and Christine Delamarter is the head coach for that. So if you are uh, engaged at that level, uh, you know you'll be getting information from Christine. If you are not, please certainly uh, pray and root for. European W uh, teams that are going to be representing the district at internationals. So that's going to be coming up in July, early July, somewhere in that ballpark. Uh, exact uh, dates and location for the for the in person meet is TBD at this point. So we'll see how things go there. Uh, so anyway, looking forward into the fall, or as they say in uh, Canada, the autumn. Uh, for 2021 and 2022 season, uh, please take a look at the pnwquizzing.org website. There is a new section uh, for the 2021-2022 season. Uh, if we've got a meet schedule that's posted there. It is all currently tentative because we need to figure out exactly who's going to host, what churches are going to host at which particular meet. We have a general idea of what that's going to look like. But of course, the hosts need time to check their calendars and the churches, a lot of them are still not meeting in person. So there's a lot of ambiguity within the schedule, but it's actually out there as a reference point, And we'll be talking about that uh, amongst the leadership uh, this weekend as well. There's study materials that are there. So if you are so inclined after district championships, and you are not going to be on the internationals team, you could get a head start on the first few chapters in James. The study materials are there. Uh, We are gonna be adopting the new rule book, uh, but of course keeping the PNW overrides uh, rules, which basically means that we will be functionally equivalent this coming season, the Romans James season, as we are uh, to this current season. So uh, if you're so inclined, you can download the new rule book and take a read through it, but ultimately you shouldn't have to. Uh, Basically all the rules should be Basically the same. Another slight difference is we're gonna uh, bring back at least for this one season this notion of a the the classic scramble meat style, kind of going back to a much more scrambled less, uh, strategically valuable, but more maybe socially valuable, uh, scramble meat for this, uh, for this, uh, upcoming season. If you have questions about that, please check out the website. There's a little, um, couple of blurbs, a couple of paragraphs describing what that, what that means in more detail. And there is a study schedule and key verse list that is posted as of, I don't know, just like a few days ago, I think. Uh, and of course, the study schedule is again, tentatively be, uh, because the meet schedule is tentative. So, you know, it's it's just kind of out there as a recommendation. We've got about 200 key verses or actually might be exactly 200 key verses uh, somewhere in the in that ballpark, but those are all listed and marked out there. Uh, And certainly, you know, you don't have to wait until whenever it is in late August to start memorizing James. You can start memorizing James over the summer. Uh, James is a, um, just as a sort of a heads up, James is probably one of, if not the easiest book to memorize. And Romans is, mm, I don't know, probably not the hardest book, but it's definitely one of the harder books to memorize. Um, So just be aware of that sort of transition um, between James and Romans. Um, Scott, what are your thoughts about James and Romans? Did you find James easier than Romans and where do you kind of place those two in the pantheon of other books that are in our schedule?
1: I have no idea because I never memorized those two.
0: Ah, okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, I would imagine that
1: they are easier than narrative years. I mean, so I don't like narrative years but I don't know if that's true for everyone else. I think the story aspect helps some people. But for me, when I, when my only goal was word perfect memorization, so many of the like little connecting words like then and if, or then Jesus replied or said or said to them, like that was incredibly difficult to keep straight. But if you actually think about it, the difference between said, replied and answered basically never matters for you getting a question right or incorrect or incorrect. Um, but i don't know i think i think non narratives are generally easier because the the content is more of a um the same sort of sentence structure um and you don't have a lot of those articles and um low significant connecting words yeah
0: yeah can understand that i mean and from my perspective i think james is i mean it's incredibly simple, blunt language, uh, very straightforward. It does flow. It's a beautiful book. Uh, it's not very long, and there's a lot that's packed in there. Uh, Romans is extraordinarily dense, um, a rich, rich book of, of incredibly important meaning. Uh, but as a result, you know, it's, it's written by Paul, and Paul writes in a way that maybe is a little bit at least for me, it's, it's a bit diff- more difficult than, than James is. So just be kind of aware that may exist for you as you're, as you're memorizing through, there is that shift, uh, rather dramatic shift in tone when you go between the, the two books. All right. So that's it in terms of announcements. So we'll jump into our, um, talk about, uh, talking about evangelizing and recruiting for quizzing. So like I said, this is, we've got some notes here and we've got some ideas and we'll kind of walk our way through here, but we, we don't exactly have a super strong conclusion other than we need to do more evangelizing and recruiting into quizzing. I guess that's our conclusion. Um, but how we do that is still kind of, kind of up in the air and we need, we need to get more clear on what that is. So we would love to hear from you in terms of like, any ideas, or especially if you have disagree with anything that we talk about uh, in this or any podcast, we'd certainly like to hear from you. So let's just kind of jump into it. Um, so, and maybe not the best place to start, but just a place where my brain started when I was putting these notes together. Um, there seems to be um, a typical or traditional pattern in recruiting, quizzing, or and and I, let's let's call this. Not just sharing what quizzing is with people, but actually converting a church into a quizzing church, right? Um, evangelizing to that new church, recruiting into quizzing in as a program into that church, and getting a church program started, right? There tends to be sort of a traditional or typical pattern that exists, at least in P and and all of this obviously is is very, you know, it's very P and W viewpointed you know uh, point of view kind of stuff right um so your district if not pnw your results will probably be somewhat different You know, your culture will be different how you go about doing things is definitely are uh, potentially different so this is a lot of of sort of like very pnw uh, pov sort of stuff so anyway um the traditional or typical pattern that that we tend to see is that there is this idea of a former we could say former internationals, but that's not really true. It's really more sort of former top twelve-ish quizzer, quote unquote, right? And 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 there's a lot of ish with that top twelve, right? Don't don't read too much into that number. Just say like, well, it's it's not everybody that qualifies for Great West, but it's like kind of represented by folks who are qualifying for Great West to some degree. It's sort of the, you know, folks who have some that level of investment into the program, right? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use this label, former top 12-ish quizzer, as a label, but, but make sure you have fuzzy edges around that definition, right? So... The typical pattern that we see in p is we'll have a former top 12-ish quizzer who's either in college or is recently post-college and settles at some sort of p area church, right? And then either on their own initiative, which I think is the common case, uh, the typical case, or by somebody in quizzing asking them to consider uh, being involved in quizzing, which I think is the exceptional case, although it's not terrifically exceptional... Uh, because of one of those two things, uh, the former top 12 ish quizzer turns around and says, okay, great. Let's, let's actually see if we can get a quizzing program started. They talk with their pastor. The pastor doesn't say no, but typically doesn't really do anything other than not saying no. Um, the pastor might say, sure, go ahead. And that's about the, the, the end of the support that they get. Then the person will go and talk to youth in their church and is able to recruit a small team you know, three or four people, and then turns around and reaches out to PNW quizzing to try to get set up for meet registration and, and so forth. The problem that I see with this approach, and I mean, there, there's exceptions to this all over the place, but that seems to be the the typical pattern that we have. The problems that I have with this approach is that it number one, it doesn't scale, and really it can't scale because this, there's a static number of this former top 12-ish quizzers every season, Ergo, growth is constrained to be linear in a best-case scenario, right? And that's if everything is working perfectly, right? Growth is linear. And we know that things are never perfect, right? There's there's always, you know, problems and interruptions and and decline and, and all kinds of other stuff that, that balance into the equation, right? So in a best-case scenario, you're talking about linear growth against a nonlinear forces of decline, right? So that's number one, it can't scale, uh, and therefore it doesn't scale. The second problem is it's passive. Uh, In most cases, it's optimally passive from uh, quizzing's perspective, right? So if you, and when I I mean optimally passive, I mean it can't get any more passive for PNW quizzing. We literally do, we literally just run quizzing and do nothing. We do no evangelizing, no recruiting, nothing. And ultimately we get, the growth that we get from former top 12 quizzers ish, uh, doing this, this sort of typical pattern, right? So it's, it's either passive or optimally passive from the, from the quizzing organization's perspective, right? And then the success of this, uh, approach is entirely dependent on factors that are beyond quizzing's influence, right? So there's an interest, there's a certain interest level for coaching in the former top 12 ish bubble. There's an attractiveness level of quizzing at the former top 12-ish's church, right? And those levers are entirely beyond quizzing's influence via this optimally passive practice that we we follow through uh, with, or well, that we don't follow through with, just is, right? And then... The last thing about this problem is it assumes, and I think falsely, that the quizzing talent of the former top 12-ish quizzers are a proxy for coaching talent, right? Now, obviously, if you've been involved in quizzing, you understand quizzing, you're going to be initially a better coach for a new team than somebody who's never experienced quizzing before. That's absolutely true. But there are certain uh, components of coaching that have nothing to do with quizzing talent that are they're actually coaching talent right and so but we seem to want to tie uh, quizzing talent uh, as a proxy for coaching talent and I think that that ends up not being actually true So we lose out on a lot of opportunities because of this approach So anyway, I've been talking a lot Scott what are your, what are your thoughts about this do you agree disagree what are, what are your sort of what's your
1: perspective on it I very much agree that, recruiting is largely a passive activity it just kind of happens Um, and I don't know what else to say about that I think that that is the case for the majority of um, majority of the time Um, and I think you're also right that we assume that quizzing talent maps well to other role talent later Um, I know that um, I definitely probably had that bias but I also knew that in my limited time that I could put into recruiting, I was using um, past quizzing success more as a proxy of passion for quizzing than ability to do a role because I I figured that if the passion is high, most of the rest could be taught because as far as ability to do any role in quizzing, I wouldn't imagine that there's a different ability to do it between top quizzers and not top quizzers. (laughs) but, um, it's hard to instill passion for quizzing. That's very true.
0: Yeah. Like how, how do we do that even? Yeah.
1: Right. And so it's like, well, if I, if I can only reach out to 20 people, I'm, I'm going to pick the people that I'm just using success as a proxy for passion for, um, and sure the barrier to entry is probably slightly lower for someone that was good at quizzing and probably knows the rule book and has thought more about quizzing things. But, I mean, in a world where we are not predominantly passively recruiting, then there should be no reason that we need to um, optimize our time, right? <laughs> Into just right. The, the top end of quizzers. Because, I mean, our district is not super large. It's not that hard to, for people within current and past churches to talk to um, everyone that has quizzed in the past. Yeah. Um, but I think that that passion is the hardest thing. Because I know, like, as a coach... Um, I will teach you stuff all day long as a quizzer if you like want to, like if you have the passion for learning stuff and getting better, because I didn't really, I didn't really see this giant gulf of this person's really, really good at memorizing and this person is really, really bad at memorizing. It was more just this person wants to put time into it and this person is just not as interested in putting time into it. Right. Right. And that wasn't something that I could just magic out of thin air. But like, if you were willing to put time into something, like I, I can teach you about quiz master inflection or quoting backwards or like anything. So um, that is definitely one aspect that's tough.
0: Yeah, well, and I, I you know, I, I certainly have a chip on my shoulder about this particular topic and I should probably confess that and, uh, you know, and talk about it for uh, very briefly. But I think there's less of this now than there was say 20 years ago, right? Um, and 20 years is just a, it's a number I'm kind of pulling out of my uh, my, my my head here, um, not really based on anything other than just it's a big number. Um, but quizzing culture, I think in P right now is it we we have a systemic bias, but I don't I think it's less of a systemic bias now than what existed twenty years ago, right? I think we think former top 12-ish quizzers will be better at non quizzer quizzing roles because quizzing talent is the same as you know talent in these non quizzing roles. Um, And I think this typically segregates folks who would otherwise make great candidates for various non-quizzer quizzing roles into kind of lower tiers of leadership. Now, I don't think this is quite as big of a deal now as it was, like I said, 20 years ago, because at this point right now, if anybody said, hey, I kind of am interested in doing Blah role, right? Whatever blah happens to be, quizmaster, answer judge, scorekeeping, statistics, coaching, recruiting, whatever, right? If anybody, if anybody comes to leadership right now and says, "Hey, I kind of might be interested in blah," the response you're going to get is, "Great, do it. How can we help?" Right? Um, and I think that's born out of a, mm, I don't know. To be com- completely honest, I think it's born out of of a sense of desperation. Um, we're, we're so much smaller now than we were 20 years ago. We are, we can't be picky and choosy. And so when anybody volunteers, we're like, great, we're going to give you a shot, <laughs> you know, like, like, yes, go for it. Um, and how can we help and how can we mentor and how can we equip and all this kind of stuff? And I, I think that's good, but I want to, I, I think it's not because I think we're better in this regard, not because we confronted our systemic bias and decided it was dumb, but rather we got desperate. Um, and so, yeah. Um, and of course, we, we we still have this sort of intrinsic sy- systemic bias inside of us, even though we kind of look past it a lot. And, and we have counterexamples to the systemic bias all the time, right? And we kind of marvel at these counterexamples like they're kind of flukes rather than, I think, proof that we're biased, right? So like there's examples of a mediocre quizzer becoming a top tier, amazing quiz master, right? Somebody, there's another person who has zero experience with quizzing, uh, like literally zero. They, they had never even seen quizzing. They weren't a quizzer, they weren't a coach, they've never attended a single meet. And they became a very good to, like a good to very good quiz master uh, over the course of like a couple of weeks. Um, I mean, it's pretty remarkable. Uh, and we've got, you know, uh, you know somebody with zero experience in quizzing becoming a really phenomenal coach, right? So we've got these counterexamples that exist, um, but they're there. I, but taking it a step beyond that, I think part of our problem, and again, this may just be P&W, but I really don't think it is. I think this is bigger than P&W. Quizzing is very insular. Uh, and, t- and and you know, going back to that idea of optimally passive, I think we are optimally insular. In other words, we we can't really be more insular without becoming a secret society. Uh, if if that makes any sense, right? We're we're sort of at the optimal level of insulation, apart from going covert, right? Uh, and and it might be an interesting mental exercise to ask ourselves, like, if we were going to take quizzing into a a covert status of being like a secret society, what would be different, right? Um, And I don't, obviously, neither Scott or I are in favor of doing that. That would be very, very, very bad and completely the opposite (laughs) of what we're wanting. But I think as a thought exercise, it would be kind of interesting to explore. Um, But, um, you know... (sighs) Maybe I should pause there. So, Scott, what are your thoughts about that stuff? What are your thoughts about quizzing being insular and and are we optimally insular and how can we reverse that?
1: Well, I think, uh, I don't want to seem like I'm just making excuses for things, but I think we are largely insular because it requires a decent amount of energy to talk about Bible quizzing to someone who doesn't know about it because it's it's so different, right? You can't, you know, when people talk about companies and say like, it's Uber for pizza, Right, you know, or it's Google for swimming, or you know, um, you like have ideas in your head. Like I know what Google is, I know what swimming is. I have kind of an idea for this, and like usually the way I talk about about Bible quizzing is like it's kind of like um, a trivia bowl or a mathlete challenge or um, really loosely like speech and debate, you know. But it's it's I think it it takes a lot of energy to describe because there's no. Heuristic isn't the right word, but there's no like um, easy thing that it compares to that you can use as a proxy, right? Right? Well, even
0: if you describe it exactly like what it is, right? It's a bunch of junior high, well, middle school, junior high, high schooler uh, youth uh, memorizing whole books of scripture and then competing based on what they memorize, right in 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 sports based sort of knowledge tournaments and you say that and the person goes so like trivia no 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 like they actually memorize in in a lot of cases word perfect like okay so like regular kids or like like super kids like well we think they're super but they're actually regular kids right um you know like and and it it you you can kind of see like as you're describing this they they're kind of like I don't believe you. (laughs) Right. That's almost the first response. And like, you can see it on their face of kind of like, like, well, I, I know you to be an honest and truthful person. So I want to believe what you're telling me is the truth, but this seems insane. Right. Um, And it almost requires that the person like physically go to a quiz meet and watch it before they,
1: they can kind of have that aha moment of like, oh, now I get it. Right. Yeah. But I mean, if you think about it, we do this in tons of, different ways in our own lives when we're not actively trying to to recruit something. right? Like when people ask where I went to school, I don't say, like, I went to Hope College. I say, oh, I went to this small liberal arts school, you've probably never heard of it. Because most people, I know that most of the time I'll be like, I went to Hope College, they'll be like, what's that? I've never heard of it. It's not the University of Michigan or University of Washington. <laughs> what is that? Right, right. Right? And so I'm just like, I'm optimizing my experience based off of past experiences. Or if people ask what I do. like. I will say, oh, like I make websites or something that's just like super broad and not really specific because like if I tell people I develop Angular front-end applications, they'll be like, what did you just tell me, you know? Uh, (laughs) Yeah. um, And so, um, but like in both those cases, it's not like, I'm trying to get you super jazzed about Hope College or Angular applications. Um, and so I think it's a very human thing to do around a topic that you know that people either don't care about or won't grasp the detailed level that you know about. Um, but the problem still remains, right? If we want to make it um, understandable and easily accessible to people, how do we do that? and i'm I'm not entirely sure, right. Well, and some of the symptoms
0: of you know quizzing being so insular is, and again, typically in the in the Pacific Northwest, when a former top 12-ish quizzer goes and talks to their pastor, uh, it's very likely the pastor has never even heard of quizzing before, and that that's true, oftentimes even in CMA churches, right? Uh, and certainly is very true uh, in non cma churches right the uh, very commonly the pastors have never even heard about quizzing i mean they're not typically antagonistic to quizzing although some pastors are which still baffles and infuri- infuriates me but generally pastors are just sort of completely unaware of quizzing and they have sort of that same reaction like i was describing before you know that you go and talk to the quizzer about this program and they're just like i can't believe that that's real. Like that doesn't compute. I don't understand, right? Um, you've got parents of non-quizzing youth. Most parents, actually, the vast majority of you know non-quizzing parents of youth. Sorry, sorry. Let me re- rephrase that. The vast majority of parents of non-quizzing youth have never heard of quizzing, right? They're, they're, there's zero quizzing exposure, quizzing awareness. Never even heard of it, right? Um, and to be fair, like, you know, certainly in Pw, we don't really publicize or promote quizzing beyond quizzing, right? Except as sort of exceptions to uh, the norm. And I mean, maybe what we do is try to publish and try to promote quizzing beyond quizzing, but like, how do we do that, right? Um, so uh, Kaylee, a couple years ago, three years ago, two, or, two or three years ago, two years ago, I forget. Time is hard for me. Some amount of time ago, uh, measured in years, uh, Kaylee in PNW sent out uh, 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 a series of messages. I think it, there was emails and, and maybe some print uh, letters as well that went out to various churches. And one particular church, the, the pastor, uh, the senior pastor, got this. And to their credit, their immense credit, uh, they got up in front of the the you know congregation the next the, the following Sunday and said, "Hey, I got this letter. It's about quizzing. Here's what what it says. If anybody's interested, uh, come see me, and I'll give you this letter to to, to follow up." Um, and that that was phenomenal because the vast majority of time that doesn't happen. <laughs> the vast majority of time, the pastors get the letter and just goes eh and and tosses it right. Um, so that church ended up. The the pastor said that in front of the pulpit, and a couple parents picked up on that and were like, "Hey, we'd like to learn more," and got in touch with us, and we got the uh, quizzing program started there uh, for for uh, you know a good half of a season there, uh, and that was a really wonderful and awesome thing. But that's the exception; that just doesn't happen all that often. Um, and part of it, like what we're talking about, quizzing is really weird to outsiders. Like it's really weird to people who haven't experienced quizzing. And I'm remembering like my experience, like I wasn't a quizzer. I heard of quizzing when I was in college and somebody described quizzing to me. And I was like, this is weird. Like, I don't understand this. And it was like, it it was, it was almost, it was unbelievable. It was almost incomprehensible until I actually saw quizzing. Like I went to a quiz practice and was kind of like, Oh, okay, I kind of get this. And then when I saw an actual quiz meet for the first time, that's when I really was like, okay, now I get it. Like, like even in practices, I sort of got it, but it wasn't until the quiz meet where I was like, okay, now I totally get what this, well, and I shouldn't say totally get. It was more the light bulb moment where probably I understood the concept to an 80% capability, like, like, like I could actually describe what quizzing was at that point, rather than being mostly confused, right? And so so for me, it, it, it's reminiscent of like 1 Corinthians chapter 118, right? For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to, uh, uh, to us who are being saved, is the, it is the power of God, right? The notion of quizzing is foolishness to those who aren't already part of quizzing or have had some sort of prior experience with quizzing. So how do we fix that? <laughs> right? Like we can't, we can't go out to the world and say, Hey world, um, come see a quiz meet so that you can understand
1: quizzing. Although I don't know, maybe we can, I don't know. Uh, Scott, what do you think? It's wild because if you looked at like my personality and things as a kid, there might not have been anyone better suited for Bible quizzing. And like people around me saw that. And so when I was in a like, Susie and Cuddy who were like they had quiz um, Like tried to get me to join and lots of people in the church tried to get me to join and I just I was like eh, Like I I I was some amount of apathetic didn't know about it Didn't care to like try to learn about it and like all of these things And then at some point one of my friends was like I'm gonna try this thing Do you want to try it with me? And I was like "Eh, sure and then, you know, I get asked one question to meet and I'm hooked. Um, mm. But but like, I feel like that's not an atypical experience for people, which um, is almost too bad, right? Because like people like me should be the slam dunks to recruit easily. Um, and I don't know, it, it just is a difficult, it, it, I mean, I think inertia is a big deal. It's hard for people to start doing something new.
0: Other than, you know, uh, Cuddy and others telling you that you should quiz, what was your quizzing experience, exposure, awareness, like, had you seen a meet before, like, or or were you starting at
1: basically zero? I was starting at basically zero. I think, um, at, at the church that I was going to, they would announce like the top quizzers from the church and how they, like how they did. So I saw people, you know, like Phil in front of church, but like, I didn't know anything about it beyond that. Hmm.
0: Yeah. And I, I think that's part of the problem. I think if, well, not, maybe not part, I think that's a, a majority part of the problem, right? There are a lot of Scott Peterson's, well, maybe not a lot of Scott. There are, there are some number of Scott Peterson's out in the universe. Right. And I think most of them, if not all of them have never experienced quizzing, uh, from a, you know, they haven't seen it. They just hear people talk about it from time to time. And they're kind of like, yeah, whatever. I don't know. It's a thing. Um, good for you. I, I've got other things going on. And it's not until they actually experience now. So here's the thing. Was it your first meet, like what was the sort of the, the, not the light bulb moment, but the sort of the the change of direction of the ship, you know, going from a meh to a I'm totally hooked moment. Was it when you got the question or were you at least partially engaged before that? Or did you see a meet first and then memorize and then get your question? Or was it
1: purely like your your first question, was it your first meet? So like I had been to practices, but I don't think we had any notion of a scrambled meet. And I had coaches that were not quizzers, and so I was very short on actual quizzing knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I I was just hooked by the whole experience. Um, and so like I definitely like I think I averaged a forty or a thirty. No, I, nah, I don't know. Somewhere between a thirty and forty at the first meet because I I'd memorized a good amount of material, but with no references and no knowledge of like anything specific. But it was like cool watching. It was cool to me to watch quizzers get eighties and nineties. And I was like, it was both. Like very um, inaccessible. It was like the right amount of inaccessible and accessible, right? Like it was impressive. Like oh, these these kinds of people exist and are like so much better. But it was also kind of like um, I don't know. It didn't seem too too crazy. Um, but at that time, I also didn't want to be like that. So I don't know. It was kind of a weird mix because I wasn't really prepared for anything specific about Bible quizzing.
0: Yeah, I wonder if there's some sort of an analogy here to sports right in general right so like why does somebody try out for you know football team or baseball team or track and field or something right like like i think it's the maybe you see the sport on tv or you go to a game and you're kind of like this is this is cool. Or, or people, you know, if if you're younger and you're playing in your neighborhood with the neighborhood kids, you, you you know, pick up game of, of basketball and you're like, yeah, I can play basketball. And then that kind of leads into this notion of what it is, but we don't have any of that in quizzing, right? It's, it's very, it's very separated. Like we, we have the, the box scores the following Sunday, you know, from the pulpit where they say, oh, so-and-so got third place, you know, at the district meet and the church team, got, you know, uh uh first place in in finals or something like that, right? And everybody's like, "Yay!" But that's about it, right? There there there's no there's no connection of what that means, right? So like, you know, it's it's um we have this sort of I, I this is going to be a weird weird tangent, but I don't know, we'll see where this goes. It it reminds me to some degree about general aviation, like private pilots. Uh, fi- uh the the notion of like, you know, most people when you say, "Yeah, flying an airplane is really cool it's way fun it's way awesome there's no experience that people have there's no observations that people have of flying an airplane that leads them to believe that that's a truthful statement right um flying in airplanes is basically like you go through an airport you stand in line through the, through Tsa you get crammed into a seat you wait for a while and then you get out and you're like okay so what right like like what's the big deal I don't care about being a pilot. Right. And then when you take them up in a small airplane and you show them like, this is what flying is like, it can be for a lot of people, a life-changing moment where they're like, this is awesome. This is, I never believed that this was, was as awesome as it is. Um, and then they kind of, then, you know, for, you know, there's not everybody who gets the, the spark and wants to become a pilot, but there's, you know, I don't know, probably 20% in a scientific study I just made up in my head of people that, you know, will go flying, uh, in a small airplane and then discover, like, I really like this, like, this is enormously rewarding and fun. Um, and then from there, you know, who knows where that goes. So I'm like, like maybe a way to push back on some of this, you know, quizzing and decline is somehow providing the experience of quizzing to people who don't have that experience. And, I, and and when I say the experience of quizzing, I don't mean like actually memorize and actually go and quiz, although that would be great, but rather more just even seeing a quiz meet, right? So like like if, if you know, Scott, if you were just prior to joining quizzing, right? And Cuddy had been, you know, harping on you to join and you're still kind of meh and let's say your friend didn't show up, right? But, but Cuddy said, hey, come by the church on Saturday and just watch the quiz meet, right? And let's say for whatever reason, you actually decided to do that. Like Cuddy said, hey, I need a ride. Can you drive me? And you said, sure. And so as a result, you, you observed quizzing. Do you think that would have been enough to get you hooked into quizzing if your friend didn't say, come with me and do it together? So I think no,
1: um, because I think viewing quizzing, like especially meets like internationals, but even a meet like a district meet is actually very inaccessible. Because Mm. you don't know what is happening. And so I so it's like watching cricket. Yeah, because you're like, I don't like I don't know what's happening. So like I don't know what's cool or what's like, oh, that's an all-star and that person's terrible. Like I don't have any concept of that. And so I mean I to me, the best ways to demo quizzing are to watch like a consolation B or something, where on average 80% of that question is getting read. Right? Something like that. Because then you start to grasp what even the different types are when almost the whole question is being read each time. But when twenty percent of the question is being read each time, the difference between question types makes no sense to anybody. Um, and in addition, like I think having people quiz on any kind of material that they already know would be very impactful. You could you could say like we're going to quiz on um, John three sixteen and Romans three twenty three and Genesis one one, uh, and I think people like when they like hear, you know, God created multiple answer, God created what, they'd be like, oh, I know this. And it like makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, When you're watching someone jump on like who went to the place and then they like get it right, you're like, well, how do they know that? That probably exists 700 times in the Bible, you know? Um, So uh, to me, it's the like make like picking the easiest five percent of quizzing to show to people is what would at least get them to understand because the only reason that I was hooked on quizzing is because I had memorized three quarters of the material for the first meet and even though I didn't know about types everything that was asked I I was like oh I've heard that or like I read that and so Mm -hmm. like I had enough knowledge that stuff wasn't inaccessible to me but I think to most people even just walking into a district quiz meet it would be pretty inaccessible. Yeah, I can see that.
0: Well, as a result of this, you know, quizzing is in decline. Um, You know, we can we can look back on stats and and we can see you know how P and W in particular here you know is we we are smaller now than we have been in any time in history apart from our founding you know some many decades ago. Uh, We don't have you know after about twenty four-ish, twenty-five years or something, our data starts to get really spotty. But basically, we are smaller now than any at any point in history that we have data for. Um, it's, it's a very long time, and we're very, very small. We still have wonderful, amazing people. We have amazing quizzers, amazing, amazing coaches, amazing officials. But we just don't have that many. Uh, you know, quizzing is still a wonderful, amazing program, but we're we're you know, if you forgive a terrible analogy, we're kind of turning into that last ember of a once great campfire, you know, we're still, we're still glowing, uh, for, for a time, right. And we'll probably glow for a while. Uh, but on its own, the, the, that once, you know, that little ember is not going to turn into a great campfire again. We need to feed it and, and grow it and so forth. Um, and, and I'm sort of thinking, You know, not to get too far down a rabbit hole on this kind of stuff, but as an aside, this does kind of remind me a little bit of like, you know, is this is this similar to the state of of Canadian and and U.S. Christianity in general? Right. Uh, It doesn't really scale. It's insular. It's packed with systemic bias and it's weird to outsiders. Uh, And, you know, within. Canadian US Christianity do we do a lot of evangelism do we do a lot of of um promotion of Christianity uh I don't I don't I don't know that we do systemically right I mean certainly there there's there's a lot of evangelism that does happen right but it's more kind of it feels to me like the exception rather than the norm that happens everywhere right and so to me it feels like I I think we need a new approach um and I don't know what that approach is exactly, but like, I think there's a handful of things that we need to do. I think, uh, you know, speaking of Christianity, a couple of verses, you know, pop into my mind. Like, I think number one, we need to participate in quizzing. Right. And so, you know, my go-to verse, uh, or verses my go-to section of scripture that, that I love to quote whenever I'm preaching about like, why, People should be involved in quizzing is Deuteronomy 11, uh, 18 through 20, right? You know, share quizzing with those who are younger, either physically in age or spiritual age. Talk about quizzing when you're at home or when you're out and about. Post messages about quizzing, both on social media and in real life and so forth, right? But engage with quizzing. And certainly the people who are engaged with quizzing now are pretty well engaged with quizzing, and that's great. But we need to be talking about it, right? We need to be talking about it beyond the insular bubble that is quizzing we need to be talking about quizzing with those who are non-quizzed right um, i'm also reminded of of galatians you know 326 through 28 right we're following god's commandments as his adopted children when we decide to engage in quizzing so all of us together right there's no jew or gentile there's neither a top 20th quizzer quizzer or rookie there's not a 20 year veteran nor first time participant we're all one in Christ Jesus we're all one in quizzing right um and i think similar to you know canadian us christianity we see the idea of evangelism sort of relegated to the pastorate, right the pastor is going to invite people to church the pastor is going to be concerned about spreading the gospel all i have to do is just tithe and show up right and it's like but i i think that's not right i think we're all called to evangelize, right? And we're all called to make disciples and to grow grow Christianity. And I think in the same way with quizzing, I think we participate and there are exceptions, right? There are certain coaches I know who evangelize quizzing until they're blue in the face and then keep going. um, And that's awesome. But that doesn't seem to be the norm. Right. Um, And I want to, I want to make it the norm and I, and I don't want it to make it, I don't want to have it be burdensome. I want to make quizzing so exciting that people just can't help but talk about it. Right. It's, it's just way cool to talk about quizzing, you know, and to get excited about that kind of stuff. Um, We need to sort of uh, embrace the idea that when we, we can't skip over any opportunity to share the idea of quizzing, with an non-quizzer, despite the fact that we're going to meet, it's, it's going to take a lot of effort and we're going to, you know, be met with the, those stares of like, I don't understand what you're talking about. This doesn't make sense. You're insane. Right. Uh, but with, I think we still need to need to give it a try, but in doing all of that, that that's kind of like what we need to do. Right. But it's almost like, I think to get there, to really get the energy into doing those things, we need kind of like a new metaphor, uh, and I don't know exactly what the metaphor is, but like some ideas that we've talked about before, I joke about, you know, ESPN eight, right? Like treat quizzing like a professional sport. Like, so, so media way more media, right? Like streaming video, TV, radio, whatever it happens to be, right? Like, like how do, how could we, if we were going to do this, how do we create quizzing fans who are themselves themselves? not participating in the sport they don't play professionally but they're like really engaged like sports fans are how do we develop that in quizzing and i'm not suggesting that we need to do that but i think if we answer the question of how would we do that then maybe that that would lead to some insights into how to grow quizzing i don't know i'm babbling a lot uh scott what are your thoughts here
1: boy i'm not really sure what to add um I mean, I think it takes people thinking about why they f- they deem quizzing to be important, and explaining that to other people. Um, because if you are trying to have people pick up a new activity, you're going to have to make that um, value proposition to them, right? Um, boy, yeah, I, I'm not really sure what to add, but I, I think I think a lot of I think accessibility to information about quizzing will be an important one. Um, just there are much different ways that information is shared today, right? Like even um, even among media platforms, there are massive differences among ones that are totally new. I've seen someone who has both a YouTube channel and a TikTok account. And he's like, I put 10 hours of work into this YouTube video and has um, 150th the views that this tiktok that i put up on the exact same subject has you know and so it just shows mm. like across media there are very efficient ways at conveying information depending on the type of audience that you want to reach right right um and i'm not sure what you would define as the specific audience that you want to to reach for bible quizzing and i'm and i wouldn't be sure of what the appropriate medium is um but i would definitely not rely on any um Denomination or pastorate to do any of the recruiting for you or information sharing for you, and that's not cMA specific that's just a general statement, right um, And yeah, I really have no idea how people pick their activities these days, you know
0: because <laughs> yeah it is very strange. I mean, I don't understand people for for a lot
1: of families, you know academics is a huge driver even through college, right not up into higher education. But even that is starting to change as the um, emphasis on and gatekeeper notion of a bachelor's degree is starting to lessen, right? So that's, all, that's a cultural shift that is happening um, that will affect activities that kids are in. Um, yeah, it is an interesting world for sure.
0: I think we need to make quizzing cool, right? And I don't mean change quizzing from the inside, because I think quizzing is pretty cool the way it is. Right. Uh, I mean, I think there's things that we can do to don't get me wrong. I think quizzing is not perfect. Right. I think we there are things we can do to make quizzing more cool and more interesting, but I think it's already cool and interesting and compelling once people experience it. Right. Um, the, the trick is how do we bridge that giant cliff of, of like getting from, not hearing about quizzing to actually engaged in quizzing, right? Like once somebody's engaged in quizzing, it's like great. Quizzing does quizzing does the job of keeping them engaged uh, by and large, right, with some exceptions, right? So how do we get them engaged there? And it's like I think we need to spread the word of quizzing, but I think we need to spread it in a way that we haven't done before. Like the idea of you know pastors on Sunday talking about here's what our quizzing team did this last weekend that's great. I mean, I, I, I appreciate the pastoral support, but I don't think it does anything. Like it just makes the congregation aware that there's a quiz team. Right. I, and I mean, not to be totally ESPN eight here, but like, I wonder if having, you know, quiz meets streamed or, or have, or even just like recording the quiz meet with audio and video and then having commentary thrown in uh, over the top with, you know, great lower thirds and splash graphics with stats and so forth, so forth, you know, like there are people who have never played golf in their life and never will play golf in their life who will sit down and watch three hours of golf on a Saturday afternoon, right? Um, because it's interesting, you know, the, 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 the sports broadcasters make it interesting and the, the commentary guys make it interesting, right? Uh, there are folks who will start watching a particular sport, um, knowing very little about it, and the commentators explain what's going on. They explain why that particular play was really important or really big deal or unusual, and then you kind of gets kind of sucked into the energy that that's behind that. I wonder if we can do kind of the same thing about quizzing to to make quizzing, cool for people who have never experienced it and would never experience it except for observing something. And then as a result of, of sort of catching this bug of like, Hey, quizzing's kind of cool. Oh, Hey, there's a meet that's going to be, you know, an hour's drive from me this weekend. I should go check it out. Right. Maybe we can draw from a not linear growth pattern that way. Right. We can actually scale non-linearly. Because you know, it, it's just we're we're bypassing the let's find all the you know churches of a particular dom- denomination and find all their pastors and send them letters and hope that they all talk about it. Um, you know, I mean, that that did help in P with one church, right? But I mean, I'm sure Kaylee sent out probably 50 to 100 letters um, or 50 to 100 emails. I'm not sure if it was just emails or emails plus letters. But, I mean, she did put in a fairly tremendous amount of work. And we did get one church. And that's a fantastic thing that we got that one church. Uh, but, like, that doesn't scale. Um, so how do, we,
1: how do we get to a scaling proposition? So I don't know. I mean. I think the commentary is a huge thing, right? Because. Yeah. It's explaining why something about quizzing is cool. Like the other day I saw a clip from um bowling on TV and it was someone who successfully I don't even know what the word is, completed um a seven ten split. And the color commentator was like, This is only the second time that this has been done on in a televised um bowling match and like they added something so like, Oh, like I've been bowling and I've probably never gotten a seven ten split without bumpers or something. You know, but they add like that historical context you're like oh that makes it cooler to me even though i don't bowl like almost ever and i could not be less of a fan of motorsports in general but i watched a documentary on formula one and like they explain all of the strategy behind it and all of the like this is when you choose to go to hard tires versus soft tires versus like modifications to the car and it's like oh that's really interesting because those are kind of strategic decisions that sure, they're specific to this motor sport, but you can extrapolate them to just a general strategic decision, like any sport or life or military or, you know, and like it can have that wider appeal. And so if someone was like, um, you know, I mean, it would obviously have to be where the participants can hear them, but if they're like, oh, this person jumped on um, what were the, and there's actually only four possible answers, you know, where the common viewer would be like, oh, no chance, you know, or even the, um a knowledgeable viewer would be like no chance but they're like actually for a what were um there's not that many or um when PNW in was it the third quiz internationals got a fourth person bonus from their fourth or fifth quizzer to um win the quiz and send it to a fourth quiz like right like like right. that moment is sure it's not like the World Series of baseball or the Super Bowl, but like the gravity of that moment in context is that large but if someone is not there to explain it um, then that's lost on 80% of the people watching
0: yeah that's very true well i mean my experience with with automobiles and top gear right the the tv show right. top gear in in a, you know the uk version with the 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 original three dudes not the not the reboot and not the american version but you know the actual good show right like I don't care about cars. I really 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 super don't care about cars. I am not a motorhead. I just they're 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 utilitarian to me. Like I just, you know, it, it it is so not important to me what car you drive. Like it it is it is zero. It is a it is zero importance to me completely. And I started watching Top Gear. I have no idea why. Because it was on and it was too much effort to change the channel. I I don't know. And I got hooked and I'm like, I still to this day don't care about cars. I do not care at all about any car at all, but I can actually tell you some things about certain cars, right? (laughs) Right? Like certain sports cars and, and you know, the Bugatti Veyron and and Ferrari and certain things. Like I can tell you things because I watched this show and the presenters were phenomenal. It was deeply amusing and deeply interesting and deeply engaging. Um, and I still think, cars are dumb, but like, I would totally like, I would watch top gear, like reruns, uh, w- without question. Right. And I, I like, how do we, how do we have top quizzing? <laughs> um, how, how do we do that, uh, in a way that actually is broadly appealing to people?
1: Yeah. And I mean, I think commentary is the biggest way commentary. And I mean, media can have those overlays on the screen, providing information to you. But I know, like, when I coached internationals and anyone would jump, I would look up the material because I wanted to know, like, I could calculate the – prob, I could – not calculate, but I could get an idea for, like, should they get this right or won't they? It's just like um, Texas Hold'em Poker, right? You see the probability of each hand of winning. You know, if you could see, like, oh, from what this person jumped on, they have a one in five chance if they have perfect knowledge versus a one in 41 chance. I mean – To me, that's super useful because then if it's a one in 41 and then they start answering with five seconds left, your like heart rate goes up because you're like, are they going to convert this one in 41 chance? Um, And so I think all all that could be very interesting that um, now you have to be super knowledgeable to even know the gravity of something like that. Yeah. Yeah,
0: indeed. Well, and I mean, ideally, I would love that to be a live broadcast, but there's so much that goes on like... And it's so fast that, like, I'm not sure there's I I don't think there's a way logistically you could do it live with like true commentary, true, you know, infographics being uh, splashed up there like you'd almost have to record it and then space out a uh each question. So there could be, you know, 15 seconds of commentary or something like that. Like it would be very hard to put those together. Like with poker, it's like, okay, they're thinking about their bet before they make it. So there's time to talk about it. Um, in football, there's the, okay, they, they completed this play. They're huddling. They're getting set up for the next play. Okay. We can actually talk about what happened. You know, we can show you, uh, replays and so forth uh, very very difficult to do that in quizzing because like the moment that the decision comes down it's like okay great now we're on to the next question you know and sometimes the answer period especially when you're talking about the upper levels you know they're not taking 30 seconds to answer they're they're taking like 2 um or, or if it's a quote 2 versus maybe they're taking 12 but i mean it's not it's not a ton of time
1: yeah and i mean one of my favorite sports is golf and I don't know what percentage of shots, golf shots that you see on a telecast are actually live, but I think it's a very small percentage of them, like 10% or 20%, um, because so not just because, well, it's because so much stuff is happening simultaneously, but also to have the time to like say anything about a shot, you just need it to not, most of them to not be live. And I think quizzing really wouldn't be different. Yeah. could be very interesting.
0: Well, we are bumping up on our time limit. I do want to exhort. Yeah, I think that's the right word. I would like to exhort all of you who are listening, because here's the thing. If you're listening to this podcast, you probably have some level of passion for quizzing that is above zero. Uh, because otherwise, why on earth are you listening to us? Um, so my assumption is that your passion level for quizzing is is higher than zero, which means basically to uh, I don't I don't want to be overly hyperbolic here, but I, and maybe I'm not being hyper overly hyperbolic. When I say I think the future of quizzing is on you, I think the future of to keep quizzing alive, it's really up to you and me and Scott and everybody to engage in the opportunities that that could be there for growth and to look for opportunities to evangelize and to spread the word and, and so forth. It, it's up to every one of us and it's, it is up to you, uh, you listener right now, uh, because without you quizzing will suffer, right? It, it may not suffer tremendously because of one person not being involved, but it will suffer Right, and it will be measurably uh, worse off because one person decides not to participate, right, or or not to engage, right. So I would exhort every single person who's listening: ask yourself what can I do to make quizzing just a little bit better, right? The one percent rule: what can I do to make quizzing one percent better? Um, or you know, in in my church, in my community, maybe I don't. I, I'm I'm going to a church that doesn't have quizzing. Is, is there a chance that I could maybe get a group together and start up a team? What can we do? What can each one of us do? And what can we do collectively to make quizzing 1% better? And then let's just start taking action. So I don't know, Scott, any other final thoughts on this?
1: I don't think so. I mean, if you think it's worthwhile, then it will take non-passive, so active effort um, to keep it going. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well,
0: and on that bombshell, as they say in Top uh, Top Gear, uh, we will close. But I want to remind anybody that if you have any disagreements with anything that we have said or even if you have, you know, additional ideas or you agree with us, we'd love to hear from you. Please email us at IQ at cbqz.org. You can follow us on Twitter. Our Twitter account is at Inside Quizzing and you can chat with us in kind of almost real time on the Slack channel Pound Inside Quizzing. And with that, I will say thank you all for
1: listening. And thank you, Scott. Thank you to all of our listeners. And thanks, Griffin.